This is Got Marketing, a fad-free, fluff-free, no-nonsense podcast for marketers looking to work smarter. I'm your host, Mia Feilman, a marketing strategist with over two decades of experience and an entrepreneur. I'm tired of marketers telling you what you want to hear. Instead, I tell you what you need to hear. During the show, I chat with creatives and strategists about all the aspects of marketing, but especially marketing campaigns. Unpacking and dissecting marketing campaigns is what I do for fun. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, the marketing education platform where marketers and entrepreneurs go to upskill. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Got Marketing podcast. I just wanted to say such a huge thank you to all of you for tuning in. You have helped make this a top 20 podcast in Australia, which is just a wee bit exciting. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, we are going to talk about becoming a customer fanatic because for me, good marketing comes from really good listening. It's really not rocket science. Yes, I love data. I'm a marketer. But beyond data, the thing that helps marketers create truly memorable marketing campaigns are insights. So to have this juicy chat out with me, I've invited Nadine Atheri onto the show today. Nadine is the founder of Can Do Content, a strategic copywriter for women-led brands who want to intentionally attract delight and retain their dream customers. Over the years, Nadine has given global e-commerce success stories, game-changing startups and industry-disrupting service providers the words to shine. But what I love about Nadine and why I wanted her to join me on the show is that she's not the kind of copywriter that makes words sound good. She's a strategist. And I read every single one of Nadine's emails and this woman is a marketer and she takes copy and turns it into a genuine connection and touch point for your brand. So with that intro, welcome Nadine. Hey Mia, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. My absolute pleasure. I've been a long-term fangirl of yours. Oh, likewise. (laughs) (laughs) That's great to hear. (laughs) All right. Well, let's dive in. Uh, What are we going to talk about today? Yeah. So we're going to talk all about really, truly, genuinely getting to know your audience and how that can give you the clarity and confidence to um, not only write copy for your business, but market in a way that really resonates with your customer, your audience, and builds genuine connections that ultimately get your customer to take action. And that's really what you want. Yeah. And look, most of the people that listen to this show are marketers. So they understand that. They know they need to do it. They just probably don't know how to do it. So, and and do it quickly and cheaply as well. So let's backtrack a bit and let's just go back to the beginning and, and let's sort of outline the problem. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot of tone deaf marketing at the moment. What's going wrong? Like, why is this happening? 
Yeah, I find too many, especially businesses that are still trying to find their feet when it comes to marketing, are jumping at any opportunity, any trend that comes up online and try to integrate it into their marketing, whether it's, you know, a reels trend or a current situation that might work for some brands, but is not really, you know, on brand for them. So the problem there is they're, they're jumping at current situations. It's opportunistic and it is not leading with empathy, what uh, marketing really should be all about. And yeah, truly speaking to your customer and giving them what they need rather than the agenda that you want to push. Yeah. So uh, I don't know about you, Nadine, but I have a corporate background and we would never take anything to market, campaigns, you know, major marketing materials, TVCs, any sort of messaging to market without first focus grouping it. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the problem is that, you know, maybe a few men in suits somewhere come up with an idea. <laughs> Sorry to say it so bluntly, but, you know, often the case. So someone comes up with this glorious idea, thinks it's genius and it gets it out there rather than, again, asking the person on the receiving end, the audience, to yeah. Yeah, have a look at it and see whether it, it sits right within you know, cultural circumstances and yeah, societal norms as well. So I would always, even with copy, make sure you check it with people before, you know, investing big money, time, effort into it and making sure you haven't missed the mark somewhere. Oh, absolutely. So you talked about the copying of trends and the jumping on the bandwagon and the culture jacking that all seems to happen. Another really, I guess, concerning for me, but I would love your take on it, is the rise of like plug and play templates. Like it's just steal this sales page messaging and just literally copy paste your brand name in there. Like here is swipe copy, here are auto generated captions. And like, it's just, don't be original, just follow this formula. What's the problem with that? Yeah, again, you know, the bro marketers have started this trend where everyone thinks that something that works for someone else without actually knowing why it works or potentially doesn't work could work for their brand. So it's easy to look up to someone and think that their success can become yours um, by simply taking their formula and plugging your bits and pieces in. When in fact, the problem with that is that all your effort is going into filling the gaps and, you know, putting your bits and pieces into an existing formula. And that takes the whole focus off the audience and actually speaking to their objections, their, you know, false beliefs, their desires, the current situation that they're currently in. So all your focus is exclusively on, you know, finding A and B to plug it into this and this gap. And also, once you've got it out there, there is literally no opportunity for you to tweak things and work out why things aren't working simply because you don't understand the formula that went into the particular sales page, email sequence. You have no idea why people don't open the email, why they don't click, why they're not buying and why things just simply aren't, aren't happening for you. Yeah, like you've potentially been given the answers to the test, maybe not your test, somebody else's test, but none of the questions. Exactly, yeah. So, again, like, and I'm a bit of a contrarian. So let's say that in a perfect world, 
somebody else's plug and play template, somebody else's audience was your audience. Like they market to the exact same people that you market to. They have the exact same offering. They're in the same industry. Their customers are your customers. And so, you know, why not in that case? Well, why not is because it's already been done before. So, (laughs) So why would they choose you? over the person who did it in the beginning. Like, yeah. do you want the imposter brand? Do you want the copycat? Or do you want to go to the original source to get the goods? Like, wh- why Why would they want you? Yeah, and, and you're, you're missing that opportunity to truly create something that is so uniquely associated with your brand as well. You want people to associate certain terms, you know, certain expressions, certain ways of saying things with your brand. And if you simply copy what someone else has put out there, there's going to be that disconnect where, you know, the reader goes, hang on, that is completely different to what you know, this brand sent me two weeks ago. So it all needs to fit together. And the only way to get it to gel and to to really work for you is to start with the audience and, and build that empathy and genuine interest in your customer. Sure. Yeah. So at, in the intro of this episode, I talked about how for me, marketing is really about very good listening, that your customers will tell you everything that you need to know. And not even your customers, your audiences, they will actually, they, they hold the secrets to all of your marketing. So can you talk us through that? Like, what does that actually look like for gathering those insights, gathering that customer fanaticism that we need to have as brand custodians to channel it into our marketing? Yeah, so it all starts with asking the right questions. So not so many times I see brands send out surveys with the best intentions, but all I get is tick boxes and drop downs where I'm giving you not much more than data to work with. So what you really want to piggyback off is the actual language and the sayings and, you know, getting to the bottom of how people describe their frame of mind, their problems, you know, the things that are holding them back. So you want to be able to reframe their problems in their own words. So that saves you not only, you know, guesswork and coming up with fluffy language that doesn't actually resonate, it does 80% of the lifting for you, I'd say, because ultimately copywriting is 20%, you know, having a thing for words and knowing the right formulas and knowing how to um, structure it in a way that guides the reader to the point you want them to get to. But 80% is understanding the audience and being able to use the words, use the expressions and use the the exact um, terminology that your audience describes their problem in because that's the only way your reader is going to nod along and feel truly hurt, seen and understood and, you know, motivated to, to work with you and choose you because you truly understand them. So I would start with a customer survey to begin with. It's super cost effective nowadays. Google Forms, for example, is free to use and it is super simple to come up with an on-brand survey that you can then send out to your um, existing customer list. You can also survey customers. So if you're a service-based business, for example, um, customers that inquired with you but didn't end up buying with you so that's another great way to get to know those objections and things that you might have to tweak in your messaging or in your offer as well and yeah ask open-ended questions so 
literally, I, I like to call it the, the story arc. So I take them on that journey from when they first, you know, realized they had a problem. What did that look like? You know, what was going on in their lives? Then how did they go about fixing that problem? You know, what made you the perfect solution? What was going on, you know, while they were working with you or using your product? How does their life look like now um, once they've worked with you and they've got that product in, your, in, in their lives? And yeah, so make sure they're open-ended. Keep it to a maximum of 10 questions, I'd say, because we're all busy. People um, are trading, you know, their time for not much benefit for them, seemingly. And it also helps to link a small reward to the survey as well. So it doesn't have to be huge, even a little, you know, chocolate pack, a chocolate hamper that you give um, give away among anyone who answers. We're all somewhat selfish, let's face it. So if um, you get a survey request and there's something in it for you, you're much more likely to respond and then once you've got those responses, sit down over a cuppa and take the time to sift through it all and, yeah, make up a spreadsheet, come up with a spreadsheet or a way that works for you, how you organize those findings. And you literally look at any objections that are coming up, any needs and desires, so what people are looking for, why they were coming to you in the first place, any false beliefs as well, so around price point potentially, around you know, not having enough time. There are so many facets of beliefs that can hold people back from actually taking action. Then the transformation, so how their life looks different now, and sort it into these buckets. And that will help you pick up themes and pillars and also sticky terms that keep popping up again and again. And then that will educate objections you have to come overcome. So even in the lead up to a launch, for example, it helps you create content that gradually guides your audience to be ready to actually receive the offer because you can't launch something without actually priming your audience. And then very powerful as well, once you have those glorious insights, I would out for people who are very generous with their with their insights and also are happy to jump on a phone call with you. So incorporate a question there, asking them whether they're happy to jump on a call with you because that allows you to dig deeper. So, you know, book a Zoom call because face-to-face -face builds relationships and is much more personable than a phone call and ask them further questions to the points they've given you. Again, open-ended questions, more listening than actually asking questions. You want them to share with you and go deeper and then ask them to elaborate on certain certain ideas that spark your interest. Make sure you've got a variety of insights as well, so a variety of opinions, so you can then cover all angles. So let's just get to it. Marketers are not doing this for a couple of reasons. One, they don't like filling out surveys themselves, so they don't think that their customers are going to do it. Two, they don't know what to ask but you've just solved that for them. So rewind and go and <laughs> listen to what Nadine said about how and what to ask. And three, and this is the main one, they don't want to read the answers. They're very worried that it's, you know, they've poured their life into a product or a service and it's someone's, you know, not going to have nice things to say about it. Yeah. And it's hard to read. The answer is put on your big girl undies and get it done because 
Otherwise, you are pushing shit uphill with your marketing if you are not doing this. You are stabbing around in the dark hoping to hit something. This is what you need to do. It's just, it's a non-negotiable in marketing to understand what your customers are saying. And rather than be defensive, if they have something perhaps not incredibly positive to say about your your brand, then you need to try to remove any sort of personal feelings and just look at that very objectively and try not to take it personally. And I think marketers especially, we're very good at ignoring the overwhelming positive responses that we receive when we talk to customers and just focusing on the few negative responses and taking that so personally. And yes, there's a lot to be learned from the negative responses, but we need to remove ourselves from the equation. This is not personal. This is business. And we just need to really look at what the customer is saying and see how we can address it in our marketing and in our delivery. Yeah, and there's so much opportunity in those seemingly negative comments where there is opportunity to tweak your product to be even more successful and to generate more sales or to develop new products that speak to this particular audience that didn't quite get the outcomes they were hoping for in you know the product they purchased. So take it as a way to improve your business and continually learn and grow and implement processes that move you forward rather than hold you back. Yeah. And I have an example like of a client who received quite a few negative reviews because people had expected a certain thing was included with the product. And she's just like, well, I don't know where they got that notion that that should be included. And it's like, hang on a second. Why don't you go out and and run a poll? Hey, if you're buying this product, do you expect that this is with it? Like, do you expect the batteries to be included with the toy? Yes or no? And then it was really interesting that's like, yeah, actually, the majority Mm. of people were like, yeah, no, 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 definitely. If I'm buying this product, I expect this. And it's like, okay, you don't have to include it. What you need to do, though, is manage those expectations. I'm not saying you need to go and include that but you need to make it very clear that batteries are not included yeah exactly yeah totally so this thing that you're talking about there's a name for it and that's voice of customer data right because as marketers we love to use all this wonderful flowery language and jargon and we will describe something in a way that customers might not describe it i've personally come up against this No one, and I mean no one, really says in the morning, oh, I need a marketing campaign. That's not the language that they use, right? It's like, I need great marketing to launch my product, or I need help with getting my name out there. They don't say, I need a marketing campaign. So this is where the voice of customer language comes in, because if we are using terms and language that they are using in our marketing, it's more likely to appeal to them because- They have a need for that as opposed to a marketing campaign. Yeah, and it makes it outcome-driven again as well because all that fluffy language, you know, get your marketing campaign and, you know, launch this. It's People can't relate to it, whereas if you give them tangible pain points, outcomes, things that actually are happening for them on a daily basis, it makes it so much more relatable and people actually feel understood. They think 
you know, you get them rather than just trying to sell your product. So you are on the same page and you understand their pain and you're literally there to help them get to where they want to be. Yeah. Okay. So what about brands who don't have customers yet, who are launching a new brand or they're launching a new product or service and they they can't survey existing customers? Yeah. So you can still tap into audiences that are hanging around online. Luckily, everything's so easy nowadays. You just need to know where to look. So take a step back and work out where your ideal customer, so the person that is perfectly positioned to buy your service or product would hang out online. So that can be Facebook groups. So let's say you're selling baby products, you know, your local mum community on Facebook would be the perfect place to start. You can put a survey together again, you know, surveys, the little incentive to, to ask people, or you can also just listen and have a look at the common topics that people are talking about, you know, things that are occupying mums that are on their mind all the time, and then see how they relate to to your solution. So again, it's about listening and picking up themes and pillars and words that mums are using to describe their problem as well. You can also, um, if you're a product-based business, look at reviews on Amazon, for example, of similar products and filter, you know, sift through those again for sticky terms and themes that are coming up, things they are criticizing, for example, so that were, you know, annoying them on your competitor product. It's all opportunities to to tweak your product and, and your campaign and your messaging to make sure you give them everything they want. Yeah, so good. So I've got a couple of my sort of like little secrets, tricks of the trade Mm -hmm. that I like to do to get insights. So one of the things that I do, so I offer marketing for marketers really. So Campaign Del Mar is where marketers go to upskill. So the congregation points that you mentioned where my people hang out are like Facebook groups like Women in Marketing. And so what I'll do is I'll jump into that Facebook group for 10 minutes a day and I will just search for a term like launch or campaign or promotion or, you know, new product and I will see what comes up and I will screenshot those babies because sometimes it is so good, like unbelievable. Like they are literally speaking my language. And like, for instance, one of the things that keeps coming up is that marketers are burnt out from social media. You know, they spend even more time on social media than everybody else. And it's getting to them, you know, personally, and they are just struggling to keep up with this beast. And I provide the perfect solution to that. And so it has been such a great source of validation, but also voice of customer language. The other thing that I do, which is similar to what you have suggested, is that I will go to competitors and I'll have a look at their frequently asked questions, because this is often the kind of questions that people yeah, want to know the answers for that relate to me. So, you know, a good example for, you know, a service-based business is um, how long is it going to take for me to complete this project with you? And, you know, do you have a payment plan? And so then it's like, right, okay, I need a payment plan. People are wanting payment plans. Yeah. Yeah. It's And FAQs are such good opportunities to, again, overcome 
objections in a gentle mm-hmm. way. So, you know, FAQs should cover real questions, but then also help you give you that gentle nudge that you might need to to help you answer that. Okay, the course takes time, but I can I can actually do it. As you said, it's it's a hidden gem for objections and false beliefs and all the things that can make or break your sale. Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice. Nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real-world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. So uh, let's talk about something that's very, very scary for all people, which is scary but shouldn't be, which is picking up the damn phone and talking to your customers like they used to do in the good old days. Why is this important? Oh, it's everything really. So, you know, people only give you so much in surveys. That's why surveys are the starting point. And then you handpick the people where there's more potential. So it's that, you know, eye contact, ideally Zoom. That's my preferred way to do interviews. Um, Eye contact just builds connection and again, gives people a sense of security. And especially if you frame the call at the beginning to take out that, that stress, because believe it or not, your opposite, the you know, audience member who put their hand up to to jump on a call with you, they're going to be just as scared and overwhelmed um, as you are. So if you can set the expectations at the beginning, don't call it an interview, call it a chat and tell them that there are literally no false answers. It's all about, you know, their honest opinion. They shouldn't be scared to be really, really brutally honest. That just takes that pressure off again, that, you know, the person thinks they need to perform and they need to give you certain answers that you want to hear because that's what you not want. And yeah, again, listen more than asking questions. So let them speak. Don't interrupt. Very important. And if you can, so I always ask for permission to record the session. Most people are fine with it. I've had hardly any who said I prefer not to. And then you can transcribe the call. So there is a service called otter.ai that I use. You get a certain amount of free minutes a month. There's a pay plan, obviously. But just to get started, you can upload the video file and then it transcribes the interview again for you, which again gives you great opportunity for those sticky terms and you know sentences. And it also means you don't have to frantically scribble and seemingly not listen. And it allows you to totally focus on, on the call and give your opposite that sense of security and, you know, willingness to open up. Yeah. Let's now talk about how you use this. Like, okay, you've got all this incredible insights now. You're getting the information directly from the customer. They're telling you what they want, what they don't want. How do you then put that into action? You, as I said, start with your little sorting system. So you ideally rank things as much by, you know, the frequency that that particular problem comes up. And then you have a look at, yeah, how you can use it in your copy. So depending on which content piece you're working on, let's say your website. So FAQs, as I said, is a great place to overcome those objections and actually turn objections into FAQs. 
product descriptions as well are fabulous, a fabulous spot to actually integrate the tangible outcomes that people are getting. So rather than focusing on the features, which obviously need to be mentioned, but turn them into benefits. So, you know, if something is dishwasher friendly and people, you know, mums are time poor, you can say, you know, so you can spend more time with your bub rather than doing the dishes. So you can link features to tangible outcomes and benefits and ways that their lives are going to um, look so much better. You can also help people future pace, as it's called. So picture themselves with your product or service and how their life is going to look different. Too many times people are pushing, you know, the negative Nancy, I like to call. So focusing on how terrible the life is. Like people know their lives are missing something. Otherwise, they wouldn't be looking for the solution. You don't need to tell them that they're depressed, they're overweight. They know all that. So shift your marketing and actually focus on the positives that there is, you know, a solution. Life can look like this perfect spot to insert your, um, you know, the needs and the wants. They So the outcomes that people are looking for. And it just shifts your whole take on marketing to a positive place rather than that, you know, guilt driven action and people actually feeling so terrible after reading your copy that they are just so desperate to um you know to buy anything so it just empowers your audience to make educated choices because they feel like you truly understand them Mm, yeah so good now it's important to mention that with all of this please only survey people who represent your ideal customer. It is irrelevant what your husband's, auntie's, cousin's daughter thinks about your marketing and your branding, like not all opinions are created equal. And so a lot of the objections that I get from people saying, oh, but if I'm only doing five customer interviews, how statistically significant are those customer interviews? I'm like, well, if they represent your target audience personas, they represent your ideal targets and they're very relevant, Mm. you know? And as we've spoken about, it's finding those common threads. Like if you have five interviews and you start to hear the same things and these patterns emerging, that is absolutely a thing that a lot of other people are going to feel. Like if you're already seeing that in five interviews, then you bet your bottom dollar that it's happening across the wider audience segment. Yeah, and I have so many inquiries where I'm talking people through the importance of audience research and then pretty quickly I get, well, if I only get, you know, if if we only have 10 customers to work with or I don't have any clients yet, how relevant is this going to be? And it's, it's all about the quality over the quantity. So even if we get, as you said, five responses that give us everything that can totally educate the copy and the direction for the messaging, you know, significantly. Yeah. And just a, a, a great example of how to actually use these insights in your marketing, Jess Rufus, who's the founder of Collabosaurus, has told me this great story about her platform. And so she has a marketing technology platform, an app that essentially is a brand to brand collaboration tool. And that's a bit of a mouthful to try to explain. And it can be quite difficult to put that in words. And then she ran focus groups and it was somebody in that focus group that said, 
sorry, this may seem like a dumb question, but are you a matchmaker for brands? And she was like, yes, yes, that's what I am. And that is her tagline. That is on her like metadata on her website. That is everywhere. And that came from a focus group and that changed the game because now people get it. Mm. This is a Tinder for brands. Yeah, it's genius. And your customers can say it so much better than you ever will. The amount of times I sift through survey responses, you know, 50 of them and read the one answer and I go, this is it. It's literally, it's the tagline. It is it. <laughs> it is It is the best feeling when you go, oh, this person has just done, you know, the bulk of my heavy lifting. It, it's literally made it all fall into place. So spend the time. I know it's it seems annoying, but it is so worth it. Awesome. All right. So let's just do a quick recap please go and talk to your customers. Please go and listen to them. Hang out where they hang out. Be a low-key stalker and listen to the words that are coming out of their mouths and collect those insights into a spreadsheet or a document so that you can go back to them and use that as the starting point for any of your messaging or any of your marketing. Don't be afraid to pick up the damn phone and and have a good old chat over a cup of tea with a customer. It is going to save you so much pain down the track hearing directly what their pain points are rather than making assumptions that, oh, well, that seems to be somebody else's pain point. So I'm sure it's my pain point too. Not necessarily. Very few businesses are exactly the same. You have the exact same offering and the exact same target audience. And what else, Nadine? What else have I missed? Lead with empathy. So from a genuine place of wanting to help your audience because they're smart, they're going to pick up if you're there to you know push an agenda or push your on sales so lead with empathy and the rest is going to follow oh so amazing it was such a pleasure chatting with you so let us know how brands can work with you or tap into your incredible brain yeah, so I've got several ways of working with me. I can help you with your audience research. So I do the heavy lifting for you before we write copy together. If you already have all the glories insights, there are ways to work together as well. So I would highly recommend hopping over to my website, kendrewcontent.com. You can also take my quiz the, to find out your customer charming superpower, which is going to give you very specific tips how you can maximize your unique strengths when it comes to copywriting as well. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram at Content and all the places that I hang out online. I'd love to, yeah, have a chat to you. Amazing. I'll put all of those in the show notes so that um, people can easily get in touch. But Nadine is, as I'm sure you have understood from the last 35 minutes, is a legit marketing expert. And so it has been such an honor, Nadine. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs and they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn and feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.